listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world in next to no cost with credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Thanks for joining me for today's episode with special guest, Carissa Rossen. Carissa Rossen is a travel writer with a focus on award travel and credit cards. You can find her site at Just Plain Points. That's P-L-A-N-E, Just Plain Points. Otherwise, you'll see her work in Forbes, CNN, USA Today, Nerd Wallet, Award Wallet, Upgraded Points, The Points Guy, and more. On with today's episode. All right, welcome to the podcast, Carissa Rossen. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. We met in Lake Tahoe, so we're continuing the Tahoe trio here, or maybe more than trio of podcast guests following the event. You're back home, I'm back home, so it's a good time to record a conversation here. Yeah, I thought we both had a lot of interesting things to say at Zorkfest, so I'm happy to have met up and be able to talk on your podcast. Excellent. And how was the event for you, Zorkfest 2023? I really enjoyed it. That was my first ever Zorkfest event. For anyone who doesn't know, Zorkfest is kind of a combination of uh, points and miles and gambling. Um, It's not necessarily Vegas-based. I'm West Coast-based, so for me, obviously, the Vegas stuff makes a lot of sense. And it was really cool because I don't have a ton of interest in gambling, but I have a ton of interest in free things. So it was nice to learn stuff that I didn't know about that I could go beyond points and miles. Lots of overlap. And even for totally non-gamblers, everyone loves uh, free dinners, free hotel nights, and much more through the intersection of miles and points and gambling. So maybe if online gambling comes to your state, we can make a gambler out of you. We'll see about that if the laws change. Like, like, (laughs) should I just like pick up and like move east? Because it kind of seems pretty. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you got you got um giant out here. You got uh, some speedways, Acme, Price Chopper, maybe if you're in the Northeast. So yeah, lots, lots for you to um gain a new problem of having so many grocery rewards that you don't know what to do with them. Oh, no. Terrible. <laughs> some listeners are are in that position. Um, podcast listeners Eric and Bill were chatting with me. Like, I think we're just gonna have to get more non perishable stuff. It's like this is good. That's incredible. It's good. Yeah, we don't have the same problem in California. Oh, well, maybe some safe ways, but not as generous as the promos out here. And and what what brought you to all of this? Um, So I first started with Points and Miles in 2014, 2015. So I am ex-Air Force. And I'm sure you know, for those who are active duty military, um, tons of fees are waived. And that includes um, annual fees, like late fees, return payment fees, over limit fees, but mostly annual fees um, for even like the most premium cards. And I have always had an interest in travel. That was why I joined the military. Um, I traveled all the way to the state of Georgia uh, and languished there for five years. But I was wondering how I could take a trip to Japan cheaply. And I just kind of stumbled on this idea of earning miles for doing certain amounts of spend and that could get me to Japan. And it was actually the British Airways chase card. That was my first card. And then once I realized all those fees were waived, I just went uh, very quickly as many cards as you can <laughs> do at a time. Um, I was a little bummed when the annual nice. fees started you know, rolling in. I got out in 2016, so it's been a while. So I do pay my annual fees now, but I'm hooked. Like I'm in it. The answer to everything is more credit cards, as past podcast guest Darren yeah, has said. Yeah, always. <laughs> more fun, <laughs> more sign-up bonuses. As people outside the hobby are like, oh, I just use my one debit card or my one credit card for everything. Why are you signing up for all these credit cards? Want to impact my credit? Well, yeah, in a good way. 
I've had the conversation a million times. Lots of sign-up bonuses, travel benefits, lots of options. Yeah, I would say probably the biggest downside, aside from paying annual fees, is that you get used to a really high standard of travel. And I guess you could call it a downside, but like I also just you know love life flat. And a bit, I think, of organization, financial responsibility. There, there are some things that we have to accept as having lots of these different accounts, right? That's true. You do. You have to be aware of, you know, if you're trying to use credits during a certain month, or if you are wanting to make sure, of course, that you're not carrying a balance, making sure that you're not getting charged interest. Um, there are a lot of things that you need to track in order to stay on top of the hobby and your finances while doing this hobby. And I think a good deal of patience as well as sometimes <laughs> customer service isn't always great, whether we're in store or calling banks or calling credit bureaus to freeze or unfreeze at times. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, a lot of, I mean, there's a reason they coined the term hang up, call again, right? Because, Ooh, hookah, hookah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, because it can be, you know, it can be like personal finance banks, any kind of like, or if it's like cashiers somewhere, or even if it's just an airline customer service representative who doesn't know their own rules or whatever. <laughs> it happens a lot. Yeah, or they just make make up the rules as oh they God. go along, it seems. <laughs> my favorite thing to do is to have like the Department of Transportation's page open when I make a call and I go, per the Department of Transportation, you know, XYZ. And then they go, oh, okay. You know, you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah, and you could be nice about it and say, oh, well, it's my understanding that X, Y, and Z. I mean, you never, I mean, getting rude gets you nowhere. It never has and never will. I mean, it, get, it might get you like kicked off a flight. If that's <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. So some some drawbacks, but some pretty big upsides. And overall, you find the value to be very much worth it. Definitely. And you've made this into more than just a hobby as you've been writing for various outlets. You were one of the presenters at Zorkfest. I have always had a strong interest in writing. Um, I did not think that anybody would ever pay me for it, So I, which is one reason why I joined the military. But I started doing a personal blog in 2015. I had, you know, a half dozen readers and two of them were my parents, but <laughs> I had enough knowledge of the hobby and a decent enough um, voice as an author that when I applied to be a writer at a boarding area blog, Points with a Crew, I was taken on as freelance. And then from there, um, I became a staff writer at the Points Guy. I worked there for a year and then I moved on and back into full-time freelancing and it has just been hitting the ground running from there. I mean, I have as much work work as I want, you know, for as many topics as I want, whether it's if it's literally just credit cards, if it's award trips, if it's tools to use, if it's, um, I don't know, any aspirational, if it's reviews, I have all kinds of things I get to talk about. I mean, it's my passion. So it's very, very nice that I'm able to turn my passion into also my career. I'm very grateful. I, I can't really, I don't want to call it an accident because I feel like I put a, I did put a lot of work into it, but I'm very happy that I got in when I did and then I can now make a living from it. Nice. And not only do you make a living from the freelancing, but I'm sure that you're also getting a lot of rewards, benefits, cash and otherwise from the hobby itself, from different credit cards, from different deals. I'm certainly one to squeeze every point and every mile um, for what it's worth. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more than that most of the time. You know, oftentimes people will ask me about, 
you know, how do you, how do you manage to do so much travel? You know, I don't have the greatest amount of spend. I live in California, so I'm not doing a ton of like extra spending aside from paying the bills that I already have. And so what I tend to kind of rely on is, is a mixture of cash and points. So I redeem points where it makes sense. And then I, I use cash when it doesn't. So in that way, I can always make sure I'm maximizing my points, but also getting to travel more and do more things. Nice. And you, you've acquired freedom. You've escaped the nine to five. You're nomadic in many ways with your writing. If you travel somewhere, you can just pull up the laptop. You have Wi-Fi. You're probably good to go. I probably spend six months or more, probably more of the year going to different countries. And if my flight isn't on points then my hotel is, you know, like it's really. And a lot of food probably included with the hotel stays and travel mm -hmm. as well as in Pennsylvania. I'm doing the supermarket sweeps and getting the grocery reward, but you being more of a grocery rewards, but more of a road warrior, you're surely getting some meals with some benefits, some hotel breakfasts and much more. Oh, absolutely. You know, there was a point where I lived in a Hilton and because the Hil I was, had the elite status that came with the top tier Hilton credit card, I was able to parlay that into basically just surviving on food at the Hilton because they had the free breakfast, the, this massive buffet, and they had an executive lounge, which is granted, you know, for free to those who hold the card or who have top tier status. And the lounge was open from two to 10 and it had snacks and it had dinner. So I, I was able to eliminate, I mean, I was a student, so I don't maybe recommend that if you're just like on vacation. It's definitely a way to save money. And, you know, that's a that's a really tangible financial perk that you have by cutting down on your food costs. Of course, there's also like the experiential perks, which is like having a suite upgrade and things like that. And yeah. those are also, you know, nice to have. Have. Yeah, we're not just traveling and staying at random red roof inns and taking super early flights with spirit and red eyes and things like that. We're getting to travel how we want with right. some better accommodations, more memorable travel. We have more flexibility rather than just paying these full cash rates yeah. and being out. People talk about the once in a lifetime vacation, but I think we can do several of those in a short amount of time. I, I don't think that I really consider all that much once in a lifetime anymore. Um, and that's thanks to points and miles. Not even certain American Express credit and charge cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're in it for the long game. Years in this now, we haven't destroyed our credit. We haven't um, been backed off by every bank, as some of the critics say. Oh, it's only going to last so long, but we're still going strong. It's a lot of misinformation. And, it, and again, it, and it does seem like from the outside looking in, if you don't have knowledge of how it works and why this works financially for banks and card issuers, then it's going to look like something that's not feasible long term. I understand the skepticism, but I, I know I'm educated on it. So I know how and why it works and will continue to work. And why do you think there are all these high offers and benefits out there? How are the banks affording to do all of this and we're able to win? We live in the U.S. and capitalism is alive and well here. And uh, so banks are really trying to gain new customers. And one of the ways that they do that is by offering enticing things. Some banks are going to be doing it by offering you a $200 bonus when you open a new checking account. Some banks are going to get you to get your new credit card with a really high bonus. Is it going to be immediately profitable to them? No. You know, a really famous example is the Chase Sapphire Reserve. Um, when it launched, it had a 100,000 point signup bonus or a welcome offer. And it took, God, what did they say? Something like seven years. It takes seven years of being a Chase customer for them to even break even on you from that bonus and the perks that you get. So it does cost them a lot of money, but they, you have to understand that the segment of people who maximize the benefits and who maximize the points is very small in comparison to the greater market. So while they're losing, you know, money, substantial 
quantities of money on, you know, some of us, um, you know, people who will get a card, get the bonus, put it in their sock drawer and never use it again, right? They've just lost money on us. There are a lot of people who are still carrying balances. So they're paying the interest. They're having returned payments. So they're getting like a, an overdraft fee or whatever, or a late payment fee, something like that. So they, they're still able to make the money and that's who they're banking on. Um, they're willing to take the loss of people who are a little bit more savvy in order to be able to acquire a larger customer base, which ends up making it profitable for them. Yes. And maybe some people taking out CDs, maybe some people taking out personal loans, auto loans, mortgages, many other instruments where they're making more money from that, but maybe not so much on the credit card side. Yeah. If it gets you into their ecosystem, like Chase, for example, um, if you become you know, a much larger customer, if you move your assets over with them, you start banking with them, you've got pay slip is deposited with them and you're right, like CDs and things like that, then yes, absolutely. There are other things that they can make money on. Right. So they're putting out a little bit of an incentive and maybe they're losing on some savvy customers, but some people are not going to make great financial decisions. Some people are going to bust out on these mortgages. Like maybe they're signing up for a mortgage, they're in over their head, but they're getting approved anyway. And then they don't make payments. Chase takes it back. They pocket the money. Like there, there are all kinds of things that can happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this happens in many other areas of life too. I've mentioned before, maybe grocery stores will put out a loss leader and say, look, we're giving out, now it's the Thanksgiving season. They'll say like, oh, look, you can redeem 400 grocery rewards that normally get you $4 in groceries, but we'll give you a free party size lasagna or a tofurkey and Maybe they're losing a little bit of money on that, but you got to know that some people are coming in and they're filling the cart with random um, Mountain Dew and ice cream that they're paying full price for and all these other random things. Well, that's with, you know, just like Costco and the and the rotisserie chicken, which is a loss leader for them. You know, they haven't increased the price of that. It's four ninety nine here in the in California for this entire rotisserie chicken, it doesn't make them any money, but they put it at the back of the store. So if you rock up to a Costco, getting your rotisserie chicken, along the way, you're going to have all of these maybe free samples, you're going to have all of these exciting displays, and odds are that you're going to put things you were not intending to purchase in your cart um, on the way to the $4.99 chicken. Yeah, that's that's a good example. So it's about being mindful as a consumer and thinking about your purchasing decisions, not just wailing out because you can not just, oh, well, I'm going to go in for the chicken, and then you end up filling the cart with $200 of random stuff that you don't really have a use for. Which at right? Costco, that's approximately three items. So, <laughs> really? yeah. yeah, even at Sam's Club out here, it's like people might come in to get the very low cost pizza or pretzels. Mm -hmm. And I assume some of that same stuff is going on at Costco. But yeah, then they end up uh, filling up the cart. So yeah, embrace capitalism, embrace the greed of the banks and the casino and uh, turn the tables on them. Take advantage of the system while you can, if you can be a responsible consumer. Yeah, absolutely. But the critics, including our good friend Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. just assumes that everyone is going to be irresponsible and that you're deluded if you think that you're not spending more because you're using credit cards is what he tells callers. What do you what do you have to think? Do you, do you think you have some control over your spending that you're financially responsible? <laughs> I will say that I have put things in my cart sometimes at Costco, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that I'm an informed enough consumer that that I, that I can maintain control, you know, and I wasn't always like that. When I was younger, I wasn't taught any kind of fiscal literacy or anything like that. I had to learn that as an adult. And I can understand, you know, why if, if your parents don't have it and they don't teach it to you and marketing does its work on you and you just, you go straight into it. 
I can see how that could be problematic, but the information, especially with, I mean, with the internet, the information is out there. You just have to Google it. Like you don't have, it's not like being kept behind some, you know, great vault doors or anything like that. It's really easy to educate yourself. And once you're educated, it, it is almost, I would say second nature to be responsible financially because you're like, well, is, am I going to do the thing that's going to lose me money or am I going to do the thing that's good for me? It's kind of an easy choice. Indeed, some people will be irresponsible with credit. They're going to buy things they can't afford. They might end up in bad situations, medical debt, losing jobs, and not being able to pay for stuff. But just because there are some mishaps and just because some people can't be responsible with credit, you don't see me going out on a crusade against Captain Morgan and saying that no one should ever um, drink alcohol and holding up signs to say, like, these lips will not touch those of a drinker, you know, from <laughs> decades past, right? Like, there, right. there were people being quite aggressive towards uh, places of alcohol and prohibition happened and all this. And it's like, yeah, some people abuse alcohol, but just because some people abuse it, I'm not out there saying that it's bad for everyone and that no one has control like Dave Ramsey is. Right. I think that I think that giving a blanket statement about anything is you're just making it, I don't know, simple for the sake of a soundbite. And it's, it's just, it's wrong. So we want to be more intentional about our decisions. And we see that the value of miles and points is worth the effort. We're not just getting an airline mile, as he <laughs> says, or getting 1% cash back on Discover. If we spend um, $50,000 to get $500, you presented at Lake Tahoe about signup bonuses and what one signup bonus from one card can get you. As I think one barrier to the hobby is that people see miles and points as a very theoretical thing. Oh, you're going to get all these points, but what can you use them on? What value? What are these things actually worth but you were describing several cards where with one sign up bonus you can take some pretty nice trips yeah i think i think you're right that is absolutely a barrier to even getting started with points and miles because maybe a lot of people their first exposure is something like oh here's how i blew a million points on a vacation and it took me you know two and a half years and my me and my you know player two two and a half years to acquire enough points to do this you know and those are the flashy things that do make a lot of headlines and they do tend to come up first in results so it can be a little bit intimidating or it can seem a little unrealistic but yeah i, I did the presentation it was trips you can take with a single credit card sign up bonus and i think that that not only does it make it realistic, right? So basically what I did is I, you know, I pulled present day current welcome offers from different card issuers. I had Amex, I had Chase, I had City, I had Capital One. And then I showed, you know, I broke down exactly how you could take, uh, you know, a flight to somewhere and uh, use your miles or your points to take that flight and then how you could stay somewhere. Again, using the same sign up bonus. And it really relies on, you know, like um, transfer partners, which is, uh, you know, wet happens when you earn, say, for example, an American Express membership reward point. It's a flexible transfer currency, which means that it can convert into a bunch of different either hotel or airline points. Um, and, and those, because you have the flexibility, you can do things like that. You only need one credit card for your entire vacation. And yeah, and I think it intrigues a lot of people. Like even if you have not just newbie levels of knowledge, but like if you've even got like, you know, mid or high levels of knowledge, it's interesting to see how you can stretch your miles and stretch your points as far as they can go. You know, maybe you're not necessarily flying business class, maybe you're in economy, but wow, that's incredible that you can go somewhere for, you know, five, eight, 10 days and you can include flights and it's just going to cost you maybe an annual fee if the card has an annual fee, you know, minimum spend. And then that's it. Really, it's, it's a pretty good trade-off. Yes, and even stretching the miles and points, some people will try to take the most amount of trips rather than more luxurious or bougie. 
type trips. But even at the stays like Hyatt Places and Hyatt Houses, I've seen many Hyatt Places and Hyatt Houses for 5,000 points a night. And because America loves math, one sign-up bonus on a World of Hyatt personal card is usually about 60,000 points. So 5,000 points per night, that's about 12 nights at a Hyatt, plus some of the bonus categories and spend. So I pay a 95 annual fee, I get a free night certificate, some other benefits, and look, I got 12 nights at these 5,000 point properties. Right, it just makes sense. And again, even if you don't have to be in the most luxurious place, you just have to be somewhere you want to be in a place that's decent. Lots of options. And as you were saying, you take a more blended approach of cash back amounts and points or cashing out some points. And one criticism I hear is, well, I'm a school teacher. Well, I have a family. Well, I have all these other things going on. So maybe I'm going to take two or three big trips a year. And I still think that that can be a great return for those people taking two or three trips a year rather than zero or just one. Yeah, I think I think taking two or three trips a year is even easier than doing obviously like 10 trips or something like that. Because you can even with a whole year's worth of saving of points, you know, you're splitting it into three trips, you can go some pretty incredible places and, and stay in some really nice hotels or have really nice flights if you're only going two or three times a year. And that's not even with like such a deep investment into credit cards. Like it's it's easy to finagle that kind of trip. And even if you have multiple flyers, even if you've got kids and families and things like that, it's still very possible. Podcast listener Jack is probably listening to the show. He's been doing a lot with the bank bonuses mm. and looking for cards that were cash back. So picking up an extra 300 or 400 from bank bonuses focusing on those a lot. I think that's a good angle. And I've signed up for a lot of business credit cards like the US Bank Triple Cash. That was a $500 welcome offer for I believe it was 4000 spend. But even better than that, I had a targeted mailer that gave me a $750 cash welcome bonus. So for those that maybe don't want to travel as much or aren't traveling as much, still a lot of opportunities on the cash side. Even just with the most basic cashback cards, you know, you can do something like the City Custom Cash, which has no annual fee, but it'll still give you, you know, 5% on like the category in which you spend the most money each month, up to $500 per month. And 5% cashback on groceries or 5% cashback on restaurants, um, that's, a, that's a pretty significant amount for a card that you don't, that doesn't charge an annual fee. That should be a very low barrier to entry for just about everybody. Yes, or the popular American Express gold card where there's an annual fee there, but you're getting the dining credits, you're getting the Uber credits now, recording here in November of 2023, and you're also getting the X on grocery, the 4X on dining, and many will just cash those points out with Charles Schwab. Can you explain the Schwab (laughs) angle? Yeah, so I don't actually have one, but I I know um, the redemption rate went from, is it down to 1.2? 1.1 now. 1.1. Gosh. Okay. So basically how that works is Amex doesn't usually like to allow you to cash out your points for things like statement credits or gift cards. They tend to give you uh, or pay with points. They tend to give you a pretty abysmal ratio somewhere between 0.6 cents per point or 0.7 per point, um, depending. And so a way to kind of get around that is if you have the Charles Schwab Amex card, um, you're able to cash out your Amex points at a 1.1 cent value each um, into a Charles Schwab account, which you can then withdraw to cash. Um, Like I said, I don't have it and I see it and I want it. But at this point, my card strategy doesn't have an open slot. I have an Amex business platinum card and probably the absolute lowest value I'll take from my Amex points is 1.54 cents each. Um, And that's if I'm using that like 35% redemption rebate that they have. 
on flights mm -hmm. that you that you book through their travel portal. Um, so for me, that's probably the bottom of where I would want to do Amex points is 1.54 cents. But I can absolutely see why, you know, having 1.1 cents of value per Amex point, that's going to be vastly superior if you're somebody who is otherwise doing statement credits, pay with points or gift cards. Yeah, lots of options. Yeah. And the options are good to see even if you don't use them. I, I'm not advocating cashing your points out for magazines or <laughs> gift cards in many situations where the redemption value isn't very good. Not all points are created equal. As you said, they could be used in different ways for sure. And how do you stay organized with all of this stuff? Some people think, oh, it's it's just really hard to keep track of all this stuff. A couple of different methods. Probably my biggest one is that I use Award Wallet Pro. And so Award Wallet Pro is mostly, and and I know people have some concerns about it because you can save your password with them and, and they've, and I totally get that. But I have, I was in the military, my information's everywhere. So um, <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Traeger, Traeger, Michael Traeger was on the show and said, in this country, you have no privacy. You really don't. You've got no expectation. Um, everyone's selling my data anyway, so I may as well give it to something that helps me. Oh, so basically what Award Wallet Pro does is it tracks all of my loyalty accounts and all of my card issuer accounts, Amex, Chase, City, Capital One, etc. And it will track like how many points I have. If I have a spending goal I'm trying to meet, like for example, I have the American Express Surpass card. And after you spend $15,000 in a calendar year on that card, you get a free night certificate at Hilton. And it'll tell me how much I've spent on the card that year and so how much longer I have to go until I get it. Um, it tells me if I have upgrade codes available with Alaska, if I have um, free night certificates that are expiring, if I have all kinds of different things. So that's one way that I really keep, it's just a very easy updates on its own. It emails me when things are about to expire. Like it's a very uh, hands-off and I won't say foolproof, but it's pretty good at what it does. Um, I don't tend to track when annual fees hit. I just kind of accept them as a fact of life and I pay them as, as they go. I'm also a card hoarder. I should probably cancel some of these cards. You know, like I've got three Amex Business Platinums for no reason other than I like to have them. Everyone in my family gets Dell presents for Christmas every year. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you get the benefits. You get the benefits that make <laughs> right? sense for the annual fees. Yeah. Yeah, I take advantage of it, right? I can justify it. So yeah, I mean, so things like the annual fees, I don't track, but I also have everything on auto pay. So I never have to worry about whether or not I'm going to get a late fee or be charged interest, something like that. Those are my main right. ways of being organized. And for the annual fees, you get to see when the fee comes up in your recent transactions. Once a week, I log into my accounts, I check recent transactions. And if I see that annual fee, then most likely I'm calling in for a retention <laughs> offer on many cards and sometimes just getting reimbursed or some kind of benefit to offset that annual fee or some cards I'm just going to outright cancel after a year or when the retention offers stop mm -hmm. coming in. So again, it's options. You're not married to that one card for 10 years. It's a new decision every year. Right. And I mean, and, and card issuers know that, which is why there are such a thing as retention offers, right? If they see that you're, you've been a valuable customer, then they're going to be like, well, I guess I want to keep them, you know, let's throw them a bone, let's waive the fee, let's reduce the fee, let's give them bonus points, you know, whatever it is. And it could be a mutually beneficial relationship as well, because they're making money off of our card swipes that they're charging these merchants <laughs> to use these payment processors or take their cards. And the banks are making some money on each of these swipes. So I like to see a lot of card activity. And hopefully American Express, a lot of spend on their cards can keep us out of the pop-up jail as many people think, oh, well, if I spend on a lot of my American Express cards, then I'll be able to get more 
in the future, but some people who maybe only low spending or they just spend for the sign up bonus and then not use the card again, then they might get the pop up message that when they apply for a new card, it will say, Oh, you may not be eligible for the sign up bonus, blah, blah, blah. So, right. yeah, the banks are making some money on these transactions day to day. Yeah, they're definitely watching and taking note. And it might seem intimidating to people at first because people, you know, we're sitting here, I got approved for 18 cards this year. I have more than 40 at the moment, I'm sure. And I'm not recommending that people start with 40. So they might think, oh, it's going to seem complicated when I have like 20 cards or 15 cards or whatever the number is. But I'm constantly telling people new to this, okay, just start with one new card and then move on from there if you feel comfortable signing up for more cards. But just take one at a time, learn how this all works. You're not going to be managing 40 cards at the same time right from the start. It's okay. Right. And you don't even ever have to be managing 40 cards at a time. You know, you could do like many people, most people do is, you know, they open cards that work for them and they open cards that have good sign up bonuses. And then when they're when they've exhausted their purpose, you know, they shut them down. And again, you know, you may see a very limited time bloop on your credit score, but it's not something that really seriously impacts, you know, like you've got, if you've got like length of credit or other accounts that are open, it's not going to be like a big ding on your credit report. So you can absolutely just have your one card that you use that's your mainstay, which you could totally do, and open other cards and get your bonus and close them after the first year. Like that's very viable and I don't think that's too difficult to organize. And staying on top of these accounts should be personal finance 101, not just never looking at your statements and then uh, fraud might happen or you're getting charged these unnecessary fees. You're not paying attention to what's going on. Maybe there's a subscription that you forgot about and then it's a year later and, oh, I've been paying 15 a month for this random streaming service. Yeah. Right. So it's good to log into these accounts. I have a list of the accounts in a spreadsheet. I have a notepad here. I'm just keeping on top of things. Mm-hmm. And I think keeping organized as we're going along is also avoiding issues and avoiding archaeological digs in the future yeah. about, oh, when did I sign up for this checking account? Or, oh, when did this card open? Or did I use this benefit or not? No, I totally agree with that. I know a lot of people use and I've seen some very impressive spreadsheets for for what people have going on. In some limited capacities, I'll use them, but I'm on my account so often anyway that I'm never too far behind, you know, because I'm always looking at, oh, is there a new transfer bonus? Oh, do I have any new Amex offers? Oh, I need to move these points from City to Turkish Airlines or, you know, whatever. But yeah, you absolutely need to be checking in regularly and having a look at what's going on. And it's about five years for me into this hobby, and I'm still having fun with it. I'm using the word hobby. It's not just like this painstaking thing that I'm doing. There are some ups and downs of having to make phone calls I don't necessarily want to make, but I try to multitask with that, I try to stay on top of these accounts, but I've been seeing so many new places, meeting new people, having some laughs, enjoying the joy of free, figuring out the puzzle. It's it's a big game to me. It's been very fulfilling. It's changed the way I looked at so many things in life. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I, I grew up with a family who were very big into couponing. We didn't shop unless it was with a coupon. And I think that points and miles are just an extension of that. They're just basically travel coupons. And so that's something that's that I was raised with. And I find a lot of joy. You know, I love doing this. I was doing it for free before I started doing it as a career. And so switching over into doing it full time was not any hassle. I didn't have to edit my feeds like my Facebook, you know, I was just like, Oh, I was already I already knew all the news because this is all like, but it's a lot of what I consume on a daily basis. Anyway, couponing on steroids, I think in many ways. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I still enjoy some of the little things. Like I'm a big fan of the CVS Care Pass program, where usually I'm fronting about $50 a year, I think is the rate of it. But every month I get a $10 off, essentially a coupon, where I can go in and buy some personal items that I'm going to be buying anyway at some point or motion sickness relief for when I travel. Mm -hmm. I just uh, sneeze there and um, getting getting some like cough and cold medicine. There's there's always something at CVS, I think. Even if the potato chips are probably marked up by $3, I can still find other things that are probably reasonably priced. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do some of that. I That's absolutely somewhere where I could learn a little bit more beyond just like couponing and things like you know like ibotta like uploading your grocery receipt and things like that and shopping portals i'm I'm well versed in but it's kind of those smaller ones or even like like fuel rewards um i don't have a ton of experience with so there's definitely room for me to learn oh. <laughs> unfortunately california strikes again right yeah, I know. Uh, that's that's where, <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately um you haven't gone on a speedway world tour going from speedway gas station to speedway gas station and uh, sometimes you find a speedway hut that just doesn't sell gift cards but i remember deals in the past where it was buy a hundred dollar best buy gift card you got a 15 dollar gas voucher what you could later yeah yeah um, and not only, but wait, there's more. And not only a $15 gas voucher is a rebate on the $100 card, but you also got bonus speedway points that were worth about another $4. Oh so you were getting $19 back per 100 Best Buy plus the credit card rewards. So that was a really crazy promotion that yeah. I was just making the rounds, going from one location to another, taking small detours. So yeah, that ten dollars here fifteen dollars there adds up i still have many of those gift cards mm -hmm. at home i've been using the giant points mainly for gas but i still have the speedway gift cards for when i'm out of the area or we see the dark times tm as um past podcast guest mark konchinski said usually in january february the deals fall off a cliff okay. and it comes back a little bit later i know it's the rising action in november and december and then it goes whoop <laughs> Every time, every time Christmas rolls around and all of my favorite restaurants do their buy a fifty gift card, like get a forty. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm all, I'm all over it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm buying them for the whole year ahead. Have, have I recruited you into the phone army yet? One of my presentations was about the My Vegas games on browser and the different phones. Those have been fun too. I am deeply intrigued. I haven't dug too far into it yet. I, I've done like a, like I've, di I've dipped a pinky toe. And I need to learn more about it. And I want to learn more about it. That's it. I just, I need to and I want to. So yes, you've convinced me. I just got to figure out how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing, the thing about the hobby is that you can't do everything. There are people who do more than me. I mentioned people run warehouses, these buyers clubs or buyers really? groups. That seems to be an extreme amount of effort, capital, more risk than what you and I are probably doing. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not going to be able to do every little thing. I'm going to try to focus on what I want to do. And I still have other things going on in my life, other hobbies, other interests. Um, there's usually a connection, but I still want to do other things too. So some people get down on it. It's like, oh, if I can't do all the things you do, is it going to be worth it? And I, I still think it can be even at a lower level. Just like just having one credit card, but it still gets you all vacation and that's worth it. Yeah, lots of winning. The wins certainly continue. And I've gotten a lot of people into the hobby as well, although it's usually a struggle to get people in. But I have had success turning friends on to this hobby. I've had success on just Facebook where people had followed my other pursuits mm -hmm. and other pages and they wanted to learn more. Yeah. So I, I brought a decent amount in and it's created a good information network where they share 
info with me that I hadn't seen. I'll share things with them. So it's built a pretty nice community out of this as well. Yeah, I've I've got a, quite a few friends, and I still have a lot of friends who are active duty military, and I'm just. I've just yelled at them nonstop, like, you got to get in now, you know? Wow. And they could get that business platinum and get that $695 annual fee waived. Waved. <laughs> waved. They're all waived. And I'm like, you guys, like, even if you don't want the card, like, they're paying you to have the card. You know, you've got your Chase Sapphire Reserve, your $300 annual travel credit, but your annual fee is waived. Like, dig in. So I'm, I'm, I'm jealous, but I have gotten as many of them converted as possible the only person i can't convince is my mom um, she still thinks so. uh, somehow i don't know it's all fraud i don't know how she <laughs> i'm traveling but she for sure is like well, i don't know You're like here's me in a picture here's my <laughs> receipt of my flight here's my hotel receipt like i think because you know so she used to travel for her work but she would only she was only allowed to book through like the corporate portal and they were best. And it was and it was in the well and sometimes she could earn rewards but the only like the best hotel she could stay at was like a best western and i know very little about the best western program but i do know that they bragged to me like my mom bragged to me that she'd spent something like three hundred thousand best western points for two nights somewhere and i was like hmm I was like, no wonder you think they're all useless or not that valuable because that's the kind of redemption ratio that you're getting. So I was like, you know, I get why you don't believe me, but wow. Past podcast guest Mandy had uh, spoken with me the other day and said, oh, I got a really terrible phone call the other day. She paused and she said, my employer is no longer going to be reimbursing my travel. We have to use a new corporate card. I'm like, oh no. She's she's a traveling nurse. So she's able to book things to her personal travel accounts, her personal cards, get all these night credits, get all of the bonus categories, like the Aspire, what, like 18X, 15X or whatever the high like Hilton thing is on that. So she's charging the cash rates, getting reimbursed but now it's like, oh, use our corporate card that's maybe getting like 1%, maybe. That is a really serious blow. I would be weeping if that was me. So yeah, we we really enjoy being able to capture all these benefits in creative ways, whether you're into product reselling, gift card reselling, or whether you're just putting your average expenses, your daily expenses Mm -hmm. over to cards and capturing this value and these bonuses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a a method that can work for everybody. Yeah, lots of ways to win. Any more advice that you might have for people getting started or people considering the hobby? I would say that your very first move should always be to pick a place you want to go. And don't just be like, I want to earn points and miles because you're not going to know what kind you should earn and you're not going to know how to earn them. Your first Google should be like, oh, okay, well, where do I want to go? Okay, I want to go to Paris. And then you go, uh, how to travel to Paris with points and miles. And then you read the top 10 articles that come out because they're going to teach you what card you need and they're going to teach you what points are going to transfer to where. And it's going to be in a really easy to digest sort of way so it doesn't become too overwhelming. Nice. And banks to start with. Early on, some people (laughs) just get their way in and just hammer Amex personal cards Mm -hmm. and miss out on some of the stricter issuers while those Amex cards could just be had at a later time in most cases. Yeah, there. I mean, every every bank has its own set of rules. Chase is infamous for its 524. And what that means, and these are these are unpublished rules, but are widely documented. Um, So 524 is the amount of cards that Chase is going to let you have had opened in the last 24 months. So you can only have opened five cards within the last 24 months. And these are 
cards that show up on your credit report. And it also includes authorized users, but those you can get those taken off. Something to know is that a lot of business credit cards don't show up on your credit report. So if you have a small business that qualifies for cards and you, for whatever reason, really want to get those cards first, that's a, that can be okay and won't impact your 524 for Chase. But that should definitely be one that you go to first because they have a lot of really good cards and they are so strict. Yes. And business has a big advantage as well as it's like another you mm-hmm. that pod past oh wow i'm having a problem with the piece today past <laughs> podcast guest bobby Beatty or Beatty had said that it's like a mini you so you can get business cards mm-hmm. staying under that 524 with many issuers and sometimes getting bigger bonuses sometimes getting zero percent apr welcome offers and again it's just more options because if you only stick to the personal i think you're eventually going to run out of the bigger cards to get but with the business cards you're definitely going to get a lot more in that process yeah and i think a lot of people probably unnecessarily hamstring themselves when they're like oh i'm a w-2 employee there's no way i could get a small business card but the rules for a small business card for most card issuers are not that strict so it's things like even if you sell on ebay or craigslist or whatever those things can qualify you as a small business and then qualify you for the card Yes, and it's usually pretty easy to set up an LLC in your state. I'm not a financial advisor or tax person to um, give you that advice necessarily. You can contact your own professional or some people go the sole proprietor route, although sometimes that sole proprietor route ends up in denials if the banks are wanting documentation or they're having questions about what's your website, what's this, what's that. You have some options there. Usually the LLC is what I like. A little bit more sturdy. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Any upcoming credit cards in the next few months? Eyeing the Capital One VentureX business card since it came out. I have just the standard venture. I haven't jumped on it because I'm not sure if I can make those minimum spend requirements. Uh, But I did just buy a new condo and it needs renovating. So oh, that's a way to get a rebate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking I might I might be putting some expenses, also home office, into this condo um, and using that to meet minimum spend for that car. Yes. Or maybe some advanced listeners are floozing to the finish line in many cases, <laughs> if you've yeah. experimented with that at all. I haven't done any flus, but I do know of it. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll add that to the phone army. I know. Time, time. <laughs> I, I still have all the. Actually, I still have on my phone all the tabs open from all the different things that you've mentioned. Because and they're like, oh nice. Yeah, nice. I've got like ten different tabs. I'm like, oh yeah, I can't forget this one. Like, yeah, they're sitting there. <laughs> it's it's there for a rainy day, I suppose. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> some other some other time. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's good. Some thirty thousand spend on that card. That's like everybody's favorite plum card from American Express, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, thirty thousand spend, and I think it's still just in the three months, which is a pre- three months. Yeah. That's a pretty hefty because usually when they go for a higher spend, right, they give you like six months to do it, or maybe even a year. Um, but thirty thousand in three months—they're not messing around. They want real businesses with real expenses. Capital One seems to love fraud alerts too, <laughs> so that could be another limit limitation. <laughs> that's true. Correct. <laughs> um, I did already get my parents to get the Capital One VentureX business card. Um, my dad has it and my stepmom has it and they love it. I've converted them from the Amex Biz Plat over. They have a construction business, so they've been using the 1.5X on the Amex business card. Um, but now they're just straight at two in for all purchases. And so they're really happy about it. Any upcoming trips in the next few months? Uh, all of them, of course. Um, I, <laughs> I actually just got back today, this morning from Brazil. 
I flew down to go see Taylor Swift and the can the concert was canceled. Ah. Uh. I know. That's okay because I used points and miles to get there and then I stayed on, on points and then I, you know, used points and miles to get back. So at least I can still talk about it. I do have a cruise coming up in the beginning of December. I'm doing an 11 night Holland America cruise that I got from matching, um, matching casino loyalty programs over to all in America and getting the free cruise. And then in January, I have a round the world first class extravaganza. Um, <laughs> the world tour. <laughs> it honestly, it's the most extra thing ever. It's my birthday. And um, there was award availability in Etihad's first apartment from London to Abu Dhabi. And so I wanted to fly in it. And so I booked an entire around the world itinerary around it. And it just happened to be around my birthday. So I'm flying American one leg is business. I'm flying American from California to London in business. And this is points and miles. And then I'm flying London to Abu Dhabi, obviously in the apartment. And then somehow I got a five night stay at the Waldorf Astoria Maldives using points. It was incredible. It like all dropped at one time and I just, I canceled everything and I rushed to book it. And then I am going onward from Doha and Qatar Airways first class to Bangkok and then JAL first class to Tokyo and then ANA first class home. It's going to be like a really, like a really extra routing for no reason other than I want to see all the different <laughs> first classes. All right. Very good. Any closing thoughts? Anything you'd like to share with listeners? If you're really deep into points and miles, there's always something else to learn, you know, as we're talking about, you know, things like flus and the phone army. Even I live <laughs> and breathe this stuff all day, every day. I don't know everything. So even if you're a very advanced kind of points and miles person, there's always more and things always change. If you're just interested or wanting to dip a toe, that's also very easy as well. And how can people find you online? I have a website. It is just plain points, P-L-A-N-E, plain points. Um, you can also just Google me I, because I freelance. Um, I have a lot of different sites that I freelance for, and so you can see my writing on all of those. Um, otherwise, just plain points has links to all of those. Your name will be in the podcast title, but for the audio listeners, can you spell your name? Yeah, Carissa Rawson, C-A-R-I-S-S-A, Rawson, R-A-W-S-O-N. All right, you've explained it all. Perfect. Hey, hey, the amount of times, <laughs> dude. I, I, <laughs> I got uh, just just in time or just Dracula. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I've heard that a few times, too. Yeah. Dude, the yeah. 90s were a rough time for being a Carissa, all right? <laughs> <laughs> or all the Jolines of the world around the Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fair. Yep. Kind of like that. <laughs> all right. Thank you for coming on today. We'll see you hopefully at Zorkfest 2024, November in Las Vegas. I know. Already on my calendar. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for future episodes. Visit hurdygurdytravel.com to contact me, find me on social media, read select episode transcripts, and schedule a free consultation. Support the show through Subscribestar, referral links, and buying from my eBay store. Find this show on many podcast platforms and YouTube, where you can find bonus videos. Supporting me on Subscribestar will give you special perks, including a custom podcast episode, questions answered by upcoming guests, and monthly private one-on-one -on -one conversations, delving into more advanced topics I don't openly discuss at length in podcast episodes. Visit meetup.com slash philly miles and points to learn about monthly Greater Philadelphia Travel, Credit, Miles, and Points meetups I host in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. I hope to see you in person at a future event. Find a link in the show notes. Listen to my other podcast, the Stoic Solutions Podcast, found at stoicsolutionspodcast.com.
My podcast guests and I offer practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.